Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards. Today, the game is different. I want to gamble. Gambling is a very serious business. Is that clear? Welcome to House of Cards. Dave Weishelder with you here deep from the swamps of Jersey. we got a great show coming up for you. I'm excited about this show because we are going to talk about a game most of us probably play, the lottery. Most of us probably have a lottery ticket in our wallet or in our pocket right now. A couple of weeks ago, we couldn't stop hearing about the lottery because of the $2 billion jackpot from Powerball. But like most people, I didn't know the history behind the game. Well, that all changed because I read For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America, a book written by Jonathan Cohen. It's an absolutely amazing book about the evolution and growth of this country's favorite game. When we come back, we're talking about the lottery with Jonathan Cohen. So stick around. We'll be right back with House of Cards. House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. Listening to House of Cards. Check out our website at houseofcardsradio.com. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishuttle with you. Here at the radio show, we get a lot of books all the time, but I have just read the most interesting book we've received in a long time. It's called For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. It's about the history of a game that most of us play all the time. The author is Jonathan Cohen, and we are lucky to have the author of this great book on the line right now. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, first off, congratulations. I was talking to you off air. It's just absolutely an incredible book. And as I said, the lottery is something that people play all the time. I mean, you see advertisements everywhere for it. If you're in the grocery store or convenience store, you can't help see people play the lottery. But I'm curious, what inspired you to write a book about the history of the lottery in this country? Yeah, I, I personally, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't have any experience with the lottery. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. You know, I don't I don't have any uh, lottery winners in my family. I also don't have any, you know, problem gamblers or anti Aunt, Aunt Mary who lost all of her money on scratch tickets. Mm-hmm. I uh, sort of went into graduate school, a little bit of a, a product of the Great Recession, you know, interested in this idea of the American dream and economic inequality, economic opportunity. And 
you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a board game player and I think I was sort of willing to take this, this game, uh, this form of entertainment sort of more seriously than a lot of other scholars might. Um, you might be familiar with the old adage, uh, gamblers don't read and readers don't gamble. Yep. Um, I think I found it actually the opposite is true. I think a lot of readers, a lot of gamblers are very heavy readers and are very interested, uh, in the history of the games they play and the history of gambling writ, writ large, uh, and all that sort of made this a perfect topic, uh, for me and I hope for, for this moment in American history. Now, when we're talking about the typical lottery player, who are we referring to? I mean, is it more of a blue-collar game? Is it played more in the big cities and the rural areas of this country? I mean, your book really does an outstanding job looking at the history of who plays the lottery. But right now in America, when we're talking about the typical lottery player, who are we talking about? Right. So so we're recording this in December, right? So last month uh, in, in November, there was that big Powerball jackpot, yep, the $2.4 billion yep. jackpot, right? So when, when jackpots like that come through, almost every, not everyone, but almost everyone buys a ticket. And as a result, 50% of Americans buy a lottery ticket at least once a year. Wow. So if you look at the sort of average, quote unquote, the average lottery player looks a lot like the average American because so many people play tickets uh, at least once a year. But if you look at who's playing frequently and who are, for example, the one in eight Americans who play once a week, now we're talking about a group that is disproportionately less educated, disproportionately uh, non-white, um, and disproportionately not the lowest income, but the sort of second tier of income, folks with disposable income to play, but maybe not enough uh, opportunities elsewhere in the economy. Well, well, certainly we know what players get out of the lottery, but in the early 60s, when New Hampshire became the first state to allow a state-run lottery, what was New Hampshire hoping to achieve? And for that matter, what do all states hope to achieve by allowing lotteries? Yeah, well, and we, we should get into New Hampshire because I think mm-hmm. folks who are interested in the history of gambling should know about the games there because they were absolutely insane compared <laughs> to what we have now. Um, but but I, I think that the, the equation for states is pretty simple, uh, is that it's pretty hard to find uh, state revenue that isn't from taxes. And gambling and, and lotteries in particular are sort of one of the only ways to do that. And lottery, lotteries um, in, in the starting in the 60s and then after were just sort of considered less scandalous than things like sports betting or casinos. Uh, bingo, actually, in some states, uh, you know, you're, you're in Jersey, New York, New Jersey, were sort of some of the pioneers on the bingo front. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, lotteries were, were again, uh, an easier sort of entree uh, for states into the gambling economy. You know, we're talking about the 60s. I'm wondering how much did the times affect the evolution of the lottery? I mean, in the 60s, we had difficult economic situations. Race relations was at a critical point. I mean, we were in the midst of the Vietnam War. How did the turbulent times really influence the creation of the modern state lottery? Yeah, well, you set me up nicely because this is one of my, my key arguments in the book, which is, um, you know, we think about gambling as inevitable and, you know, lotteries have existed for, for thousands of years in some form. But I, I, I think the American state lottery system as, as it exists today is a response to particular circumstances of time and place. And as you alluded to, I think the sort of tanking economy of the late 60s, early 70s uh, is what inspired states like New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, who are, are lottery pioneers, is what inspired them to, to take on the lotteries in the first place. And, it, you know, the, in the immediate aftermath of World War II, states were able to raise uh, services without raising taxes. And as the economy soured, as inflation sort of took off in the 60s and 70s, as the Vietnam War took a larger share of the federal budget, that wasn't possible anymore. And that's what sort of prompted states, starting in the Northeast, to turn to lotteries as this new creative source of revenue. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, we're using the term modern state lotteries, but lotteries are not a new concept. As you pointed out in your book, you can find lotteries in the Bible. The Jamestown colony was helped a lot by a lottery. The founders of the U.S. used a lottery to get money for the Revolutionary War. So lotteries are not a new thing. I mean, but I, I'm, I'm curious. It seems you didn't hear a lot about them until the end of the 20th century. It seemed like there was a lull in lotteries in the early 20th century. Is that what happened? Did lotteries fall out of favor early, earlier in the 20th century and really seem to game no momentum in the later half of the 20th century yeah and i'll and i'll i'll be, be specific there was a definite lull in legal okay. lotteries All right. yeah. uh from the from the 1890s through the 1960s uh in the 1890s you, you may have heard about um there was this corrupt 
a lottery based in Louisiana that sold tickets all over the country. It was the last remaining state lottery, mm -hmm. and Congress finally – it was called the Golden Octopus, yeah. uh, and Congress finally had to sort of take action and shut it down. Um, so lotteries go underground, and we can talk about uh, – you've already alluded to a little bit – these sort of uh, underground black numbers games sure, uh, sure. In, the north, in the Northeast and Rust Belt. So those are popular – in, it's starting in the 1890s, but really they take off, you know, mid 1920s through the 1960s, and that's when we started to get the the modern legal uh, state-run lottery era. Stick around; we'll be right back with more House of Cards. Every 40 seconds, a kid is reported missing. Find the Children provides educational material that teaches your kids how to recognize and avoid predators. Our recovery programs are very successful in bringing kids back home to their family. You can help protect our kids and bring the missing kids home safe by donating your unwanted car, truck, SUV, or van. Running or not. We guarantee you will receive the maximum tax deduction. We provide fast free pickup usually within 24 hours. Over 2,000 kids are reported missing every day. Call now to donate your vehicle. Donate now to bring this kids home safe. Call 800-706-6060. 800-706-6060. 800-706-6060. You're listening to House of Cards. I'm talking sick piles of money. I'm talking lay on your bed in your Vegas room, throw the money in the air, and dance as it showers down on your money. I'm talking frosted glass limo money. I'm talking big cowboy hat, silver, turquoise buckle money. I'm talking gambling. I am in love with you. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishano with you. This portion of House of Cards is brought to you by SCCG Management, delivering technology-driven capability expertise and customer and business value to the gaming industry for over 30 years. For more information, go to sccgmanagement.com. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. Well, let's get into that a little bit, especially in the 1960s. And New Jersey was the state that saw the biggest need for a state-run lottery. What was going on in New Jersey at the time, and how did New Jersey influence other states when it came to state-run lotteries? Yeah, so, so New Jersey... Um is suffering a worse version of a problem that other states are experiencing, which is that the state needs more money, but voters are already sort of suffering under ta under their tax burdens and don't want to shell out more. So the state needs a way to raise money without raising taxes. Um, and then the other sort of another uh, special uh, uh, situation in New Jersey is the prevalence of these illegal numbers games, especially in, in black and Latino communities, but not exclusively. There are a lot of uh, white working class folks, uh, blue collar folks and working at their factory who, who would play the daily numbers there as well. So what you get is um, a lot of uh, black numbers players who I, I should say are sort of getting harassed by police. You know, the police, these games are illegal and the, the, yeah. the, are the impetus for a lot of sort of arbitrary police harassment in urban America. So you get a lot of those folks on one side who want a legal lottery because they think it will end police harassment. And on the other side, you have all these white suburban homeowners who don't want to pay more taxes, who still want state services. And because of all this illegal gambling, they think that a, a lottery will be a windfall and that this is there's all this money that's already being spent on gambling. And, you know, all we have to do is legalize the lottery. Um, so just to answer the second half of your question, New Jersey 
solve some of these problems. The New Hampshire and the New York lotteries, the first two, were just absolute duds. The games mm-hmm. were so complicated. They're based on these historical horse races, and <laughs> yeah. they're sort of like raff, raffle-type games. It's just not even worth getting into. And the ticket tickets are expensive. You have to like write your name on all of them. And the New Jersey just is like, all right, we're just going to have a weekly lottery. And we're just going to do away with it. And then pretty quickly, they like, okay, we're going to add a daily numbers as well. So they really, um, they have cheaper tickets, faster drawings, faster payouts. Uh, and that's what really sparks the spread of state lotteries uh, across the region uh, in the early 70s. You know, you mentioned illegal gambling. I mean, one of the arguments in the debate on whether to allow legal state lotteries is a presence of organized crime and illegal gambling. I mean, some felt it would stimulate organized crime and others felt it would take away money from the mob and put them out of business. I mean, we're kind of having that same debate now about sports betting in this country. Has either side of, of the debate been proven wrong or right or, or is that still to be determined? Yeah, I mean, th- what's tough is, like, if you take that argument to its logical extreme, then, like, oh, the state should, like, sell heroin yeah, because, yeah. oh, the heroin is happening anyway, so should the state sell heroin? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I think that there's a line somewhere. Um, I, I think one thing that has been proven wrong uh, is this belief that, oh, all these people who are already betting – um, they're the only ones who are going to play once it's legal. Like, oh, legalization is just going to capture money that's already being spent on gambling. Yeah. That has been proven time and time again to be untrue, that we've seen it, uh, in, in lotteries, in sports betting now, with marijuana legalization, that legalization of a product increases the audience and increases the number of people who participate. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing necessarily, just that argument that this is already happening illegally, illegally so we might as well legalize, that has, has fallen short time and time again. You know, I, I like the fact that you brought up the people who play the lottery. And one of the uh, sections of I found very interesting in your book is the mindset of some people who play the lottery. I mean, some people who prayed to win the lottery, and, and you brought up an interesting court case about uh, people praying to God and the saints and helping them win, and it was a very interesting court case that you brought up. I'm going to tease that so people can pick up the book and read about it. And then some other people felt they deserved to win because of the type of person they were. And uh, and even on this show, we've had a lot of professional gamblers come on this show who were selling books. And one of the sections of their books that they've written was how to play the lottery better. I mean, I didn't know they could right. do that, but okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, buy, mean, buy more tickets. That's yeah, yeah. But, but in writing this book, did you find that a lot of people believe that they actually have some kind of small control over the outcome of the lottery drawing? Absolutely, and I think really? we 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 see this we see this in a lot more ways than you might think. I think the the practice of playing special numbers is a sort of a form of exerting control. The practice, and this is really weird, but it is established in a, in a major study. The practice of picking which store you buy your tickets from, <laughs> even though every store can sell the same tickets, you, especially if you're playing like Powerball, every sell, store can sell a ticket with the same numbers, but people go. And this is borne out in a major study. People go to stores where winners have bought their tickets thinking that the luck will somehow rub off on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the most sort of pervasive practice and one that's sort of invisible and sort of below the surface and, and that you alluded to are folks who pray uh, to win the lottery or use positive thinking or affirmations to, to thinking that it will help them win. Um, and in the process, uh, as I argue, they sort of take the lottery, which is the quintessential uh, form of chance and yeah. randomness in society, and they transform it into what, what part of the meritocracy, something that rewards the just and the deserving and we're a, a way for good things to happen to good people, which is just totally uh, – let's say, not borne out by mathematical reasoning, yeah, right. uh, at the very least. I, I love the term that you quoted. They call it the culture of control. I, th- I thought it was such an interesting conversation in the book. Yeah. And, and just to, to explain, so the, the culture of control is this belief that good things happen to good people, bad things happen yeah. to bad people. Um, and I see one, one example of this, and I, I have, didn't write, write about it as much in the book, but I've, I've written about it elsewhere, um, is the myth of the miserable lottery winner. <laughs> the belief, and it's a total myth, the belief that bad things happen to lottery winners because they didn't really deserve their money. So they suffer some comeuppance mm-hmm. uh, because they don't know how to handle it. And it's totally not true. Lottery winners do just fine, by and large. There's like 
like five examples of lottery winners who lost their money, and those get quoted in every single article um, that perpetuates this story. Uh, but this belief that, that we want to have that these people who are luckier than us don't actually deserve it uh, is just so pervasive. And the fact that everyone knows about this myth, but the fact that it is an actual myth, uh, I think is really telling. You know, one of the things that really spurred the growth of the lottery was the work of a company called Scientific Games. And for people out there, they're still around. They're now called Light and Wonder. I, they changed their name. I don't know why they changed their name. They changed it like every five years yeah, to avoid lawsuits and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I, guess, I guess so. It's it's Light and Wonder now. But But tell us about the company, Scientific Games, and what was their effect on the lottery in this country? Yeah, it's 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 absolutely huge, and it's a totally uh, unknown story that I was that I was happy to uncover. So, Scientific Games uh, is the creator of Scratch Tickets, um, it, which debut in Massachusetts in 1974, um, and sort of quickly saturate the the nation. Um, but until 1977, uh, lotteries are confined in the urban. Uh, in the, excuse me, they're confined in the Northeast. Um, there are only 14 states, um, and lot, Scientific Games is sort of selling its its scratch tickets like hotcakes. But it wants to expand the market. Uh, it needs more states to legalize lotteries so that it can sell more scratch tickets. Um, and what it does in in Arizona, in Oregon, California, the District of Columbia, Missouri, Iowa, uh, Colorado is it swamps the initiative process. So these are states where you know a, a voter or any person can sort of get, collect signatures, put a ballot initiative on, uh, on the on the ballot for voters to to, to decide. If fifty percent of people say yes, th- that law goes through. No amount of of governors or le- state legislators can interfere. So what Scientific Games does is it pays companies to gather signatures. It writes the bills themselves. It pays advertising. And it puts these lottery bills on the ballot and tells people, hey, a lottery in California, for example, isn't about educa- it isn't about gambling. It's about education. And in Colorado, the lottery in Colorado isn't about uh, gambling. It's about public parks. And if you support public parks, you should support the lottery. And they pass the lottery in, in all these states that I mentioned. I mean, that's really what sparks their spread in the mid-1980s. Um, and, you know, Scientific Games, for their part, you know, wins the contract in basically all of these states uh, and sort of living high on the land on, on these this 10% uh, or so of, of, of every lottery dollar um, that goes to administration costs. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. Auto Accident Help Desk is a marketing agency connecting callers with attorneys. Providers pay a fee for advertising services. I love getting my kids ready and driving them to school. But a careless driver can change your life in an instant. And insurance companies want to settle on the cheap. Auto Accident Help Desk connects victims with powerful lawyers. They fight for you. I called Auto Accident Help Desk and got help for my pain and suffering. Don't let an insurance company take advantage of you. Our attorneys fight and beat big insurance every day. Call 800-297-9766. 800-297-9766. If you've been injured in an automobile accident in the last six months, you owe it to yourself to make this free call with no obligation. We're available 24-7 to help you get the money you deserve for your pain and suffering. Auto Accident Help Desk helps accident victims like you every day. Call 800-297-9766. 800-297-9766. 800-297-9766. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of December 12, 2022. According to a report from the American Gaming Association, Americans wagered more than half a trillion dollars with illegal and unregulated gaming sites and sportsbooks. According to the report, this activity denies state governments of $13.3 billion in tax revenue and $44.2 billion annually in revenue from the legal gaming industry. Churchill Downs and DraftKings announced a deal to bring paramutual betting on horse racing to DraftKings. As a result of the multi-year deal, DraftKings will launch DK Horse, which will allow its customers to bet on horse racing through a standalone branded app. Churchill Downs will provide DraftKings with paramutual wagering rights to horse racing under their control, which includes the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. 
And finally, if you find yourself in Las Vegas this holiday season, and if you're a fan of the Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel, get on over to Resorts World Las Vegas. Hilton Hotels has done a deal with Hallmark, which means they'll be offering hotel suites all decked out for the holidays. Guests will enjoy pictures of sequin trees, wreaths, and rooms full of tinsel with their Hallmark Christmas movie marathons. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. You know, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its decision lifting the national ban on sports betting, the gambling landscape of the country is changing on a daily basis. So how do you keep up with all the latest news and developments? You go to the one site that has all the information you need to stay ahead of the game, and that site is usbets.com. With usbets.com, you'll get up-to-date information on not just the sports betting scene, but also the latest news and notes on the entire gaming industry all across the country. It's not just one state, it's all of them in one spot. Get the latest news on sports betting and gambling from the country's number one gambling magazine. Get on over to usbets.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Why, oh, you cheap crook, stealing a baby's bank. It's only a lend-lease. I figured a bet on the 50 to one shot and double the baby's money. Why, you imbecile. Why don't you pick a 100 to one shot and triple it? Oh, okay. Welcome back to House of Cards. Dave Weishuttle with you. House of Cards is brought to you by BetMGM Casino. Play your favorite casino games at BetMGM Online Casino. Slots, table games, live dealer games, everything you love about Atlantic City and Vegas, all online at BetMGM. Go to BetMGM Casino, create an account using our promo code TURNPIKE, and become a verified player. New players get $25 free when signing up, plus a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TURNPIKE at BetMGM.com for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 plus $25 free. Must be 21 years or older to place a bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For those of you just joining us, I am talking with Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. You know, scientific games seem to shift the proposal for the lotteries to focus more on specific government programs. Was that the blueprint going forward, that lotteries were not money going to the states? It was money going to the states for a specific purpose. Is that what happened after scientific games? Yeah, that, that's about right. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, and the quotes that you've seen from New Jersey are just crazy. People really thought that a lottery was going to solve all of their state's financial problems. They really thought it was going to be they were never going to have to pay taxes again because there was going to be a lottery. Um, and, you know, evidence by the late 70s shows that that's just not true. Um, so rather than sort of put the money in the general fund for, you know, it'll make a it'll make a small difference, but it won't really change anything. What Scientific Games does is particularize the promise of the lottery. They say, we're going to help this one specific program, um, and that's what's on the ballot. Um, and so, yes, uh, you're exactly right where they, where they make it more specific. And to their credit, it absolutely works because they win uh, basically every every vote that they get involved in. Now, Scientific Games is a private company. How much did the private sector affect the growth of the lottery in the United States? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, so as I mentioned, around ten percent of lottery every lottery dollar goes to the administration costs, and that includes um, advertising. Uh, there's another, I should say, five to six percent that goes to the retailers that sell and cash tickets. So, without um, you know, retailers and and it took a little while, but eventually, sort of lottery settled on convenience stores, grocery stores, liquor stores as sort of their their stable base of of retailers. Um, without those kind of that that kind of built in market, the lotteries would have spread a lot more slowly, or the lotteries would be a lot smaller than they are today. Um, and, and sort of similarly on the back end, a lot of these companies not just scientific games, but some of their competitors and even some smaller companies along the way were really integral in providing, you know, computer services, ticket services, advertising services um, that help lotteries grow. Because if you think about it, this is a brand new industry when it starts. And these companies, have, these these state officials, a lot of them are FBI, former FBI officials, because states are so worried about organized crime that they bring in all these FBI agents to run the state lotteries. And they have no idea how to run a gambling game. 
they don't have they've you know they have no background in this stuff and it's these companies who are able to sort of kickstart the process and then ultimately sort of they have a they have a lot of say uh, in the process and they and they're the ones who are innovating and creating new games creating new ways to play creating new cost of tickets uh, dividing new advertising um, and they're really an understated and overlooked part uh, of the American gambling economy now you mentioned the Powerball jackpot uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and recently lottery jackpots have grown to astronomical levels. I mean, when I was growing yeah. up in New Jersey, New York area, I remember the news reports and all the hype around Lotto and Lotto Mania that you referred to in your book. You you brought back memories. <laughs> when, when it came- of, of the forty million dollar jackpot that would freak everybody out, and nowadays, like yeah, forty million dollars is like you don't even get out of bed for it. I I mean. But I was in the store a couple of weeks ago, and and someone was in front of me, and they asked their friend, "Are you, you going to buy the lottery?" And they said, "No, it's only twenty million this week." And I was like, "What are people thinking?" But 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 when it comes to prizes offered, what's changed in the business practices of the lottery to allow these prizes to get so big? I mean, are were people just expecting bigger and bigger prizes as time went on? Is that what they had to do to accommodate their customers? That's that's definitely a big part of it, and, and it's what a lottery officials call jackpot fatigue. Yeah, uh, which is what you know the forty million dollar jackpot that set New York aflame in nineteen eighty four. You know now that's just sort of the starting point, or until twenty twenty, that was a starting point for Powerball and Mega Millions. Um, on, on the business side, on the industry side, a lot of it has to do with the rise of multi state games. Um, so what you're recalling from New Jersey and New York, these were only in the states themselves. And states did have a little bit of an arm, an arms race where New Jersey would lower its odds of winning to help create bigger jackpots. And then New York would lower its odds of winning to create bigger jackpots. So they were sort of competing with one another. And then eventually states started banding together. Uh, and in 1987 is where we get the sort of a game called Lotto America, Lotto America that is ultimately going to become Powerball. And this is a group of small states. Who are who basically can't compete with all the big states nearby um, to, to offer bigger jackpots, and eventually, nowadays we have Powerball and Mega Millions, both of which are available in all 45 lottery states, mm-hmm. which is how we get these astronomical jackpots. Uh, I'd say the other factor is the absolutely terrible odds of winning, um, but people don't really care about the odds of winning; they just care about how big how big the jackpot is when they do win. You know, we talked about the media, but I'm curious, what was the effect of advertising on the growth of the lottery? I mean, I'm, I'm here in New Jersey. I get all the lottery ads from New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. By the way, Pennsylvania yeah. actually has a recurring character in their lottery ads, Gus the Groundhog, who is the second most famous groundhog in Pennsylvania after Punxsutawney Phil. But how, how did advertising affect the growth of the lottery? Yeah, well, I would say lottery advertising today, uh, maybe Gus aside, uh, <laughs> yeah. is a lot a lot more tame than it used to be. Okay. It used to be really in your face. It used to be really like, hey, hey, you, you're going to win the lottery. Or, hey, winning the lottery is really fun. You should buy a ticket. Um, and, and lotteries have sort of calmed that down in part because they know they can't keep promising people a jackpot when, when people sort of generally know the odds of winning are terrible. Um, but but that was that definitely helped inculcate uh, the desire for wealth, the desire to win, and it, advertising absolutely helped make lottery playing a daily or weekly or monthly practice for a lot of people. Um, the other side, and, and we can get into this in more detail, is the lottery has created a belief, a mistaken belief, but a belief that the lottery is solving all of states' financial problems or that some the massive share of lottery dollars goes to the state, which is not the case. Um, and that has sort of warped people's belief about all the good the lottery does or doesn't do, um, and then how much states uh, have to work with uh, on the financial side, thanks to thanks to the gambling uh, the gambling world. Well, let's talk about a state and a state that's been in the news recently, um, and it was one a very interesting topic in your book for a dollar and a dream state lotteries in modern America was the effect of the issue of the lottery, what it had on the effect of the politics of Georgia. I mean, uh, Governor Zell Miller won an election because one of his main issues was the lottery. In fact, he called his election the referendum on the lottery. And he also had the HOPE program, which was an important program when he was governor, which involved the lottery. Tell us about the effect that the lottery had on the state of Georgia. Sure. And, and I'll just by way of background, you know, lotteries, um, maybe listeners will probably not be surprised to hear, sort of took a while to get into the South. 
mm-hmm. uh, yeah. compared to other parts of the country um, because of, you know, the large evangelical uh, Christian population, which has been sort of the most vocally um, against lotteries uh, in, in every in basically every state. Um, but but Zell Miller, who you, who you alluded to, um, who is sort of the central character uh, in the lottery story in Georgia, he's basically a governor uh, excuse me, a Democrat running for governor at a time when the state is turning more and more Republican. And his sort of Hail Mary uh, last-ditch effort to win the governorship, uh, which he does both in 1992 um, and then 1996, um, I, I might have those years wrong, it might be 1990, 1994, um, excuse me, what, what he does to win two gubernatorial elections is he basically bets everything, pun intended, uh, on the lottery. And um, he says, as you alluded to, the lottery is – he basically turns it into a referendum for education. And this is this is sort of the, the genius part. It's not lottery for education in the way that it is in New York. And in New York, every lottery dollar that goes into the education fund, one standard dollar comes out. So the lottery doesn't actually help education. It doesn't supplement uh, uh, money that's spent on education, it just supplants it. And Zell Miller says, oh, I'm going to fix that by creating these brand new education programs that are going to be, that are going to appear out of thin air once we enact the lottery. And there, and there are two of them. One is universal pre-kindergarten programs, uh, which are, which are great. And I think more states should look into. And the other, as you alluded to, is the Hope Scholarship, uh, which is an in-state uh, college uh, tuition grant uh, for Georgia students to go to Georgia universities. Um, so this is meant to sort of inspire more kids to go to college and then especially inspire more kids to go to in-state uh, colleges and universities. Uh, an ironic result, a consequence, is that because it's a merit-based scholarship rather than a need-based scholarship, uh, we get a lot of um, poor, blacker, uh, black and brown, uh, low-income uh, families who are buying lottery tickets, and the sh- people going to school on the scholarships are disproportionately white, middle-class suburbanites. Uh, that's, that's a separate issue that we can get into, but it is totally the HOPE scholarship, and anyone you know from Georgia is familiar with the HOPE scholarship, has totally changed uh, the politics and the economics um, of, of education in Georgia for the last 20-plus uh, years. You know, what was interesting to me was the incredible growth of the lottery in this country to the point where there are only five states that do not have a lottery. Those states are Alabama, Alaska, Hawaii, Utah, and surprisingly, Nevada. Do you see these states ever get in the lottery or is they're just holdouts and they're never going to accept the lottery in their border? So Alabama has been trying to for almost 20 years, or over 20 years. They elected uh, Don Siegelman governor in 1998, sort of on the promise of the lottery, and then the following year, voters rejected a referendum for a lottery. So I don't know what's going on down there. Um, uh, you know, Mississippi enacted a lottery in 2018, so I thought that that would sort of spark uh, Miss, uh, Alabama to get its stuff together, and, and so far it just hasn't. Um, Utah, uh, Hawaii, you may know, are the only two states without any form of legalized gambling altogether, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think it's in the cards there. Uh, Alaska has very limited tribal racing, uh, tribal gaming and dog racing, but, you know, I don't, I don't think the, the, uh, geography of Alaska is particularly well suited, um, to a state lottery, though I also felt that way about Wyoming and then they proved me wrong. So what do I know? Um, and then Nevada, I mean, you said it's ironic. I think the, the casino, um, operators and anyone who's been to Nevada knows there's slot machines and, and blackjack machines in every, uh, supermarket. They don't want competition. Uh, for for that for that dollar, so that's uh, I don't I don't think it's happening anywhere other than Alabama, which I would keep my eye on for the next couple of years. Do you think the lottery achieved what the states hoped it would achieve for them? Has has it reached its goal, or has it has it fallen short of some of the promises the states have uh, alluded yeah. to for the lottery? Yeah, it's a good question. On paper. They've achieved their goal in that they've raised, uh, I think by last I checked, it was like $252 billion over the course, over the entire lifetime, um, for states, uh, which is, which is great. And that's a lot of money. And that's a lot of money Americans would have had to pay in taxes that they now they didn't have to. Um, but it has absolutely not fallen, not, not met the promised in terms of what the expectations were. And that's a part of the, partly the fault of the fact that expectations were just so high. Mm-hmm. And the hopes, um, whether in, in New Jersey in the 60s, in California in the 80s, in Georgia in the 90s, that a lottery was going to solve all their state's budget problems, solve all their state's education problems, solve, you know, create this brand new scholarship, which actually did not exist before and does now. So, yes, 
they've and one on the one hand they've raised a lot of money and it's been great on the other hand compared to what states expected what they hoped for compared to you know how the lottery lottery is only a relatively small 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 share of states total income they've absolutely fallen short where do you think the lottery is headed in the future i mean i'm of the age where if i bought a lottery ticket it's either at a grocery store or a convenience store but now people are buying tickets online through things like jackpocket is the lottery headed online or will people continue to get tickets from the stores or the grocery stores and convenience stores um where do you think people can expect the lottery to go to in the future yeah, I, I think I think that that's a it's a it's a good question. There are definitely I think that we're always going to have the the in person component, and there are always going to be folks um, who want to sort of feel the scratch ticket in their hands, uh, kind of thing. The, lotteries are absolutely pushing um, both online and then also in some states. I'm from Massachusetts originally, where until very recently you could only buy tickets in cash. And they're trying to sort of move 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 us uh, into into the cashless economy. Um, online definitely seems to be the future, uh, but I actually don't know how well it's going to go because indications are that that Gen Z and and millennials are just not interested in lotteries uh, to the degree that that older generations are. Um, you know, I wonder with things like with crypto, with with Robinhood, um, with with sports betting now, um, if that revenue is just being spent elsewhere and folks, you know, feel like they have a better chance or a, a better chance at winning uh, in, in some of these other places um, where they also, you know, it's not a total crapshoot, uh, pun intended, um, uh, as to how, how much how much they're going to get back. So the states are going online with the attempt to appeal to these betters, but I think there's going to need to be more done um, if states, you know, want to get younger folks on the, on the line. Um, there's going to need to be a, a lot more than just creating a new app uh, to do so. Jonathan, we're running out of time, but where can people pick up your book for a dollar and a dream state lotteries in modern America? And if you have a website or a social media address that you want to give out, please feel free to do so. Uh, sure. Thank you. My website is just jonathandcohen.com. Uh, book uh, available anywhere books are sold, including Audible, uh, where there's a, a great audiobook version. Um, and I'm always happy if folks have you know, lottery stories, uh, questions about lottery history. I'm always happy to, to meet with folks and, and conduct interviews like this one and, and answer questions um, about what I think is a really important topic that, that reveals a lot about American society and American culture. Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar in a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the book. The lottery is something that some people play every day, and it was so interesting learning about the history behind the game. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Stick around. We'll be right back with more House of Cards. You know, ever since the U.S. Supreme Court handed down its decision lifting the national ban on sports betting, the gambling landscape of the country is changing on a daily basis. So how do you keep up with all the latest news and developments? You go to the one site that has all the information you need to stay ahead of the game, and that site is usbets.com. With usbets.com, you'll get up-to-date information on not just the sports betting scene, but also the latest news and notes on the entire gaming industry all across the country. It's not just one state, it's all of them in one spot. Get the latest news on sports betting and gambling from the country's number one gambling magazine. Get on over to usbets.com. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, BABE16, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code BABE16. That's BABE16. Because without it, no free stuff. That's BABE16 at adamandeve.com. People gotta win sometimes. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm a giant, colorful chick to deposit. 
Bean the House is brought to you by BetMGM Casino. Play your favorite casino games at BetMGM Online Casino. Slots, table games, live dealer games, everything you love about Atlantic City and Vegas, all online at BetMGM. Don't wait. Join in the fun now. Go to BetMGM Casino, create an account using our promo code TURNPIKE, and become a verified player. New players get $25 free when signing up, plus a first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TURNPIKE at BetMGM.com for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 plus $25 free. Grab a lion's share of the fun at BetMGM.com. Must be 21 years or older to place a bet. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to another edition of Beating the House here at Turnpike Sports. I'm Doug Weishel here with Dave Weishel. We're going to take a uh, crisscross trip around the country, around the world, uh, discussing some of the uh, biggest casino and slot and bad beat, pie gal poker, table game, lottery, kino, whatever. If it's a big jackpot, we're going to be talking about it. Please keep the press releases coming in. Yeah, hey, by the way, I, I didn't win a jackpot, but I won uh, 20 bucks on this uh, thing called Magic of the Rings. I was on, um, uh, what is it, Bet Rivers, their uh, online casino. So uh, Magic per- of the Rings. Magic of the Rings. It that was, wasn't a Hobbit-inspired I don't. Of deal, I, was uh, it? I, kind of a wizard kind of thing to it, but, uh, you, you know, it was... Uh, Middle Earthian? Uh, not, not even that. It was oh, just okay. a normal, you know, real kind of thing. But uh, no, it, it just it was at the top of the. Um, they all they always have the new slot machines or the new offerings they have at the online casino. So I tried a couple of the new ones. So it was interesting. Then I had one. Um, uh, what was it? Green something? Green right? tube. Green tube. Yeah, they had something. Uh, something about Apollo or uh, some w- of the best games. Green w- tube it, has been. Yeah, I know. I, I really should have wrote down yeah. the name somewhere. But Gra- it was- graphics wise, Green Tube puts out some really good. Uh, graphic yeah, games. yeah, or yeah, something Apollo Ten or something like that. It was a uh, Greek gods kind of thing. So it was mythology a, based. Kind yeah, of thing. it was mythology based kind of. So thing. was it so. Roman mythology or Greek mythology? Uh, yeah, it had the word Apollo in it. Uh, so Apollo. That's, that's I Roman, guess that's Roman. That's yeah. Roman. So, so we're Greek. Okay. I don't even know. So, so it's it's not like a divine fortune kind of thing. Uh, I Same I think kind of it was that kind it. of theme to it, but the it was huge. I mean, not only did it have like uh, four reels across the front, but it had an extra long thing on the side of the page where it was spinning too. So it was uh, yeah something about Apollo, and uh, okay. but it was interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. So that was well at, done, Green Tube. That was at Bet Rivers. Uh yeah, that was Bet Rivers. So people, if you're playing on Bet Rivers online, take a look for yeah, it. really cool looking games. Yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, you go, you go to their online uh, casino and they have all their new games up on top. Well, they, on my screen they had they had all the new games, and I uh, checked out a couple of the new games. You know what? I'll see if I can find a picture and pop it up on the TV side. Oh so. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's start off. We're going to start off in Mississippi. I think we had one last week as well. Uh, the Beau Rivage. Uh, we had Beau Rivage, didn't we? we or Beau either Rivage. last week or the week before. One of the previous episodes we had Beau Rivage. Yeah. We have now another jackpot. Wow. For what the hell's going on? Beau Rivage. $1,179,313.22 on a $1 denomination Wheel of Fortune slot machine. Wow. Uh, Beau Rivage. Wheel of Fortune again, huh? Yep. Uh, she bet, uh, she put in, uh, according to the, th- this is where it's a little confusing in the report. Um, the press release said that the woman who won the jackpot put in a $41 60 cent ticket into the okay. machine. All right. Um, did not say where, how much the bet was that okay. won the jackpot, but right. it was the progressive jackpot. One one point one seven nine million dollars. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and congratulations. I just told, I just told a story about how I won twenty bucks. Huh? And th- this is after the Look previous that, huh? jackpot we talked about. Here, here's I have it in my notes. Here, November sixteenth was the previous jackpot of two hundred seven thousand dollars. The woman from New York won the yeah, blackjack okay. progressive side bet. Okay, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations to both of them. Yeah. yeah, spending a lot of time in Mississippi, all of a sudden. Yeah, well, Beau Rivage, boy, yeah. what's uh, some uh, loose slots there? Huh? Well, we're jumping across the country to Washington State. Okay. Uh, the area called Snoqualmie. Snoqualmie. Yes. All right. And we're going to the Snoqualmie Casino. Okay. This is a casino I've never heard of This before. is an, a Native American casino. Okay. And um, 
over the Thanksgiving weekend, this jackpot happened. It was a $1,039,633.73 jackpot playing Light and Wonders, Five Treasures Explosion. Wow, congratulations. And what's so, it? There's something about the Thanksgiving weekend is everyone goes to the casinos and everyone gambles. That's when you always have all the stories about the jackpots. Well, I noticed something else about this story. It's the Five Treasures Explosion, and this is by Light and Wonder. Okay. Um, Light and Wonder also puts out the um, um, dancing drums yeah. kind of games. Yeah, yeah. They have the dancing drums, then they have the dancing drums explosion. Okay. And what we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm telegraphing this later on in the Jersey Jackpot segment because we have a segment for those. Okay. We have uh, a, a jackpot or two on Five Treasures. Okay. The different, mm-hmm. the earlier version of Five Treasures Explosion. All right. So we're seeing so does this Five look, Treasures. Does this look like a dancing drums thing? Yeah. Okay. Yep. They're, all, they're all similar games. Uh, they're all of themes. the dancing drums family kind of thing. Yeah. Is I that where you can we? Uh... I, I would say the platforms are the same. <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, going down to Nevada, we have Las Vegas, Four Queens Hotel and Casino. We have a lucky patron winning $748,441.08 playing Aristocrats Buffalo Grand Slot. Okay. We haven't had a Buffalo branded slot jackpot lately. so they, they always seem like they're the first slot I see when I walk onto a gaming floor. Usually they're like huge. They're like uh, they almost reach the ceiling in these, some of these places, and they have the big buffalo on them. So. Well, we're going to be leaving the West Coast. And going to Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Must be MGM, right? MGM Springfield. Yep. The only casino in that area. That's why I knew it was MGM. Um, soon to be one of the only sports books in that area, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, the lucky winner of $235,790 hit a straight flush playing Ultimate Texas Hold'em Progressive. Okay. That's a table game. Yeah. That's not a video poker. That's not an actual poker. It's a table game progressive. Okay. Game. Going back over to Nevada. Gold Coast Casino, we have a person, a man, identified only as Anderson. That was the only name he gave. Just Anderson. Just Anderson. That was the name he gave. Uh, He was visiting with friends from Texas, and after lunch, his friend suggested he try Pi Gal Poker. Okay. So this first-time player. No way. A first-time player? I I, I might not even want to hear what he won, but uh, go ahead. Okay. A seven-card straight flush Whoa. with an ace-king in the hole. Wow. The hand was worth $152,768. Wow. First time he sits down to play this game. Wow. Um, it wasn't the first hand. It was a little while in. So okay. it, hey. wasn't, it wasn't a first-hand hit. Good for him. That actually makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> never played the game, but he hit yeah. huge in a jackpot. I, I've only played it online. So, Well, staying in Las Vegas, we have... We haven't had a bad beat in a while. Okay. And this is your favorite bad beat, by the way. Oh, the Stations, Stations Casino? Yes. Yeah. We have. A, it's my favorite because when someone wins a bad beat, yes. it, the people win it on all the Station Casino poker rooms. Yes. Or all the way across town. So. Well, we have the Omaha Bad Beat Progressive hitting once again at the Boulder Station. Boulder seems to be the epicenter of bad beats for the station's casinos because okay. uh, we've had a couple from boulder station before okay uh, total payout for this bad beat was one hundred and four thousand nine hundred sixty dollars wow uh the guest with the bad beat by by the name of okay floyd i'm okay. assuming it means oklahoma that's kind of i don't know if it's okay or okay. oklahoma, <laughs> oklahoma they, floyd. Didn't, they didn't clarify that Okay, Floyd. Great name for a gambler, by Oklahoma the way. Oklahoma Floyd. Oklahoma well, Floyd. Well, there was a there was an old poker player who recently passed away not too long ago, Oklahoma Johnny Hale. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had him on our oh, other yeah, show, yeah. House of Cards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the uh, Okay, Floyd had the 5-4 of hearts, giving her a five-card straight flush. Nice. Good. She was beaten, and this is a day for interesting names. I'm going to have to say this right here. She was beaten by Vlitanu Mafi. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, And Vlitanu, if I mispronounce your name, I do apologize, uh, held the king-queen of hearts and had a royal flush. Okay. The losing hand, which was O.K. Floyd, she won $41,993. Wow, great. The hand that beat her, the winning hand, 
in the poker game, mm-hmm. won twenty thousand nine hundred ninety-seven dollars. Mm-hmm. As as everyone knows, bad beat the losing hand. I could that has is the, the winner beat, is yeah. the winner is of the, winner. the jackpot. Yep. Um, the thirty players playing Omaha at that time, mm-hmm. and these were only the players playing Omaha. Okay, okay, one thousand three hundred ninety-nine dollars each. See? That's great. This was the second highest Omaha bad beat to hit at the Boulder. Wow. Okay. Uh, the highest one was March of last year, one hundred seven thousand dollars. So. Okay. And congratulations, to everyone there, and for everyone else who's playing Omaha at Boulder Station, the bad beat jackpot was reset to forty thousand dollars right after okay. the the right. hand there. Staying in Vegas. All right. We have Caesar's Palace. Um, this happened during the, uh, world cup, the USA world cup. Okay. Um, the, uh, let's see player snared no, no name on the player, by the way, player snared five aces on face up pie gal, two pie gal jackpots wow. today, two pie gal poker. Yep. Huh? Uh, main progressive jack, the major progressive jackpot, a uh, hundred thousand dollars, eight hundred fifty-eight dollars, a hundred thousand eight hundred fifty-eight dollars. So five ace. Uh, uh, I guess that's a that's a five five of a kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So five aces, and um, he won the progressive jackpot of a hundred thousand dollars. Great. All right, now we are doing our little Jersey jackpot rundown now. All right, yeah. We're end the segment with Jersey jackpot. And I'm going to keep quiet, and you can uh, run them down. you got a whole list well, of them, Well, if you right? see something you want to talk about, All tell right. me. Okay. Uh, November 11th, we're going $206,851.10. Got to include the $0.10. Cents. Mm-hmm. On, on BetfairCasino.com, playing Divine Fortune. Yeah, I love that game. There's another game that's always kicking out. Uh, November 12th, $103,400 on Borgata Casino. Casino.com playing IGT's Fortune Coin. November 13th, we had a pair of them, $200,000 on DraftKings.com playing Williams Interactive Five Treasures. There's where I was talking about. Okay. And then on Virgin Casino, on I'm sorry, this is actually kind of, we've never had this before. All right. $101,925 on Pala Casino. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we've had a Pala nope. Casino. Never had a Pala one before. NYX Gaming's Triple Double Da Vinci Diamonds. That's that's almost like a classic three reel kind of slot. Yeah, yeah. But it's online. So uh, going over to November 15th, we have $124,400. DraftKings.com playing Every's Atomic Meltdown. $150,292.69 on VirginCasino.com playing Deal or No Deal, which uh, the game manufacturer there is Ben Scott. Yep. Uh, November 17th, $100,250 on Hot Rock Casino playing scientific games. And this is the name of the game I always kind of screw up. Jinjiao Bai Ji, Endless Treasures. Okay. If I say that correct, I'm, I'm very happy about my, about that. Uh, November 19th, your birthday. Yeah. $100,000 on BetfairCasino.com playing Alchemy Bet Slingo Extreme. All right. November 21st, $199,775.81 on PlayMGM Casino's GVC Spin Bandit. Never heard of that one. It's a classic slot. Okay. Kind of thing. Uh, November 22nd, $100,032 on DraftKings.com playing Five Treasures again. Okay. Uh, $124,941.21 on BetfairCasino.com playing Divine Fortune. November 23, we have three jackpots to hit. Wow. $599,622.94. DraftKings.com playing NYX's Hypernova Megaway. Okay. $125,000 at Harris. This is the physical brick and mortar place. Harris Atlantic City playing the high limit Bally Quick Hit, which has a minimum uh, bet of 25 bucks. Oh. All right. That's the denomination starts at. Okay. High limit yeah. slot. $100,000 on Betfair Casino playing NYX's Jinjiao Beiji. Okay. See, that's a big day to gamble. The, the night before Thanksgiving. Is that the, the night before Thanksgiving? The 23rd? Yeah. yeah, no, that's always a big night at a casino. Well, if I remember correctly, on the 23rd, there was at least, I want to say, a dozen jackpots of 50000 or more, including yeah, yeah. what I just talked about. Everyone's playing that night. Yep. Uh, November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving, 
160000 at Borgata Atlantic City, playing IGT's double top dollars. November 27th and November 29th, both of these are on BetfairCasino.com. We have $168,350 and then $102,150, both on Every's Midnight Matinee, which is a brand new game. That yeah, just came wow. The market. Two jackpots in two days? Yeah. Wow. Good Playing the them. same game, same What casino. is it? Midnight Matinee. Yep. Okay. It, it's, it's in a couple different places. Yeah, I got to check it out. So. But it, it just it just came out not too long ago, maybe a month ago, oh. two months ago, oh. and it's already paying out for a lot of people because I saw Midnight Matinee several times in the four-page wow. uh, spreadsheet that the DGE, well, I'm gonna Division write, <laughs> Gaming Enforcement, put that out. I'm so. going gonna, gonna to write it down and uh, check it out. Yep. Uh, that's it for this week's Beat in the House. Please get the press releases coming in, and we'll keep doing the segment. Well, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time on the radio with House of Cards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.